Welcome to episode 21 of the Talent Intelligence Podcast, where we talk all things recruiting, talent management, culture, diversity, and much more. Today, we're joined by Kate Terrell, Chief Human Resources Officer at Menlo Security. Hi, Kate. How are you today? I'm good, Claire. It's nice to see you. And nice to see you too. Um, for the listener, we are recording, and it is, it is the Thursday before Christmas, so um, we're both we're both on the in a festive mood, should we say? Yes, for sure. Great. Well, Kate, I'm just going to dive right in. Um, you are you obviously have a long background in human resources and um, talent talent acquisition. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your professional background, and how you ended up working in HR and people? Sure. Um, so I um, I live in Santa Cruz, California. Um, I am uh, I'm a big outdoors person. I have a husband. I have a 16 year old daughter. So that's on the on the personal side of things. You know, it's really interesting. When I went to university, I wanted to get my degree in business, and I and I did get my degree in business. But what I found through my university experience was that I really loved being parts of organizations. I did a lot of extracurricular. I really loved this um, concept around leadership and leadership development, and what did that mean, and how did that play out? And so, you know, my first um, my first role after college. Um, was um, being a recruiter um, for a really large company in the United States. I had done some um, consulting, leadership consulting for my sorority um, afterwards, but then went into this recruiting job, um, which I really enjoyed, and then had the real benefit of getting to go to work in consulting for Anderson Consulting. It's Accenture now. And there I got to work on a lot of human performance um, projects. So organizational change management, talent, learning and development, all of these really interesting pieces that as we were implementing large change at organizations was all about how do we make that people component work. Um, and so that was really fascinating for me. And then when I decided it was time to get off the road, um, I really took a step into much more of an HR role. And it was a quasi like org effectiveness change. Uh, HR role and from there just kind of landed in another HR role and another HR role and really built my acumen overall. And I think, you know, when I look at my portfolio of experiences, I think one of the things I appreciate is that I have had consulting. I have had small company private equity turnaround. I have had really large world-class um, company HR experience. I've done privately held, and now I'm in the tech startup world. So it's just really been, I always look for like, how do I make sure that my experiences are always additive? And so, you know, it's given me the opportunity to see a lot of different businesses um, and a lot of fun, right? Like, how do you make organizations tick so you can get the very best and, you know, help the company perform at its very best? Definitely. I mean, looking at your looking at your your work experience, it's clear that you've you've never been wedded to a specific industry. Um, you've you've got quite a quite a broad spectrum of of experience in there for yeah. sure. Yeah, it, it must have made for a very interesting career, and it must mean that you're always learning as well. You don't get stuck in a rut, for example. You know, it's really interesting. I remember a mentor of mine 
um, while I was in consulting and we, we happened to be working together in New York City on 9-11. Um, and that in and of itself is probably a whole other story, but we were just talking about, you know, life and the fragility of life and all of those things. And, you know, she said to me at one point, she said, okay, what would you do if you weren't afraid, right? Like that fear can hold you back. And I've really taken that, you know, it was um, making the decision, right? Like making the decision to leave Accenture at that point in time, like that was a big deal. I was doing really well. I was really comfortable in the role, but it was time to make a change personally. Um, we made a decision as a family for my husband to sell his business and us for to, to leave Columbus, Ohio, where we'd been for many, many years to take this job at Whirlpool that was, you know, five hours away from lots of friends and lots of family and all of those things, but it was this great new experience. And yeah. so I think as you think about that, that's a really, like, as you chart your path, it's kind of being like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like the worst thing that happen is it doesn't work and you pivot and you do something different. Yeah. And it's, 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 that's quite interesting because we were, we've been talking about candidate engagement quite a lot um, in Solutions Driven just now. It's obviously, it's such a big topic in the whole yeah. recruitment and talent um, space. And, and part of the thing just now with everything that's going on in the world is candidates just feeling like I'm a bit scared to move. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a new problem either. It's something that's been happening no. for a really long time. For sure, for sure. And I think particularly, like we are in such a volatile time right now yeah. in many ways, right? Um, the markets, you know, what's happening across <laughs> the globe with different, like there's a lot going on. And so I, I can appreciate that, you know, there's a portion of our candidates who want to be like, I'm just going to hunker down and see what happens. And I think that's when you can be like, you know what, I have confidence in my skills and my capabilities. Mm -hmm. And so if I take this, again, calculated risk, like I've, I feel really good that it's going to pay off in terms of how I continue to build my career. And again, if it doesn't, I've got the confidence that I have a really great set of skills and capabilities that I can move forward with. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's about believing in yourself, isn't it? Um, I saw- For sure. I think I saw a meme a couple of weeks ago that was like um, something to do with like, I just want to go back to living in presidented times. Um, and, <laughs> and I don't know if we're ever going to go back to that the way things are going. So <laughs> no, for, for sure, for sure. I think the one thing we are all really confident of is that we don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, funny that, that that actually leads me into my first um, real question um, yeah. for you because um, you know, you've had a, a long working relationship with Solutions Driven um, in the past, um, and you were recently, well, recently, it was a few months ago now, a panellist on our HR and TA uh, Leadership Forum, and we spoke about the changes and challenges in recruitment. Um, your answers were super insightful, and that's why I thought Kate would be a great um, guest <laughs> on the Talent Intelligence podcast, but, but you've you've personally just changed role and I know you'd been with your previous company for a while um can you tell me a little bit about how you came to decide to change jobs this time around and and what your role looks like now at Menlo Security yeah so you know um my former CEO and I you know we have we continue to have a really great relationship I continue to 
work in an advisory capacity with the with the company. But he and I were talking about, you know, what are the plans ahead for the business? I had been, you know, grooming a successor for my role. You know, serendipitously, I, I got a phone call. Um, cybersecurity has been something that has always interested me. Um, and so, you know, through conversations with him, and, you know, I think this is something that a lot of people are afraid to do, and I, I very much understand why, but like that open dialogue with David was really, really great in terms of figuring out what was the best for that business? What's the best for me? Like, how do we think about that? Hey, I had taken my responsibility of how do I groom my successor? And then, you know, when this opportunity at Menlo Security presented itself, and all the pieces just kind of fell into place. And, you know, Menlo is really exciting in the fact that like, okay, this sounds super goofy, but there was something about working for a company that helps to fight the bad guys, so to speak, in terms of cybersecurity was really, really interesting to me. It was a brand new space, a company growing, um, you know, substantially. Um, and so that like, how do you help that business? Like, go through that period of like, what does it mean to grow? Because it's really different when you are sub 200 people than when you're over 200 people, yeah. right? In terms of scaling. And then just really appreciated, I think their culture um, and everything that they were trying to accomplish as an organization. So it just kind of came together. Um, today, I am uh, the chief human resources officer. So, you know, I have, of course, talent acquisition, people ops, I have, you know, our business partners and talent compensation. And then I also have what we call as the employee experience, which is really a combination, particularly in today's day and age of our physical spaces, but also our remote and hybrid spaces, right? Because we have to figure out how we integrate those in the right way. And, you know, I would share like this whole remote, hybrid, in-office, like that is all very new for us as well. And so I don't know that anybody has it figured out, right? You hear companies that are like, we're making everyone come back to the office and you have other companies, we're going fully remote. Yeah. And there's this study that says that and that study. And so, you know, we are working on like, what is the right path for Menlo security? Mm -hmm. It's it's such an interesting topic. I don't, I, you, you, you might have heard this already, but um, at Solutions Driven, we, we always worked from our head office in the UK like yeah. we worked across the world but everyone came into the office every day and now we have team members just it, the, the pandemic opened up the fact that you can hire yeah. the best talent anywhere they don't need to be able to commute to your office so you know we've been going through the same thing we have team members in the Philippines and um, it's a completely different yeah. culture to, to what we are you know there's people um, in Europe down in England and it's and it's yeah. I think it's it's fascinating actually um just to figure out how do you make everyone feel part of a company when they're That's not right. in a physical space. So it must That's be interesting. Right. And the intentionality. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's, there's an intentionality in a physical space as well, but I think the intentionality when you are hybrid or distributed or like that becomes even more important, right? Because mm -hmm. your manager being like, I'm going to take time to slack you and check in or, you know, set up those meetings or do those things that might naturally occur when you're in an office setting. Like you just have to be a bit more um, thoughtful about that. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more proactive. Definitely. Yeah. You've you've 
worked in a few industries. Obviously, the, the company that you worked for before and the company that you work for now, they're in different um, they're in different industries. However, I think you'd mentioned on the um, HR and TA forum that they share a lot of the same uh, tech recruitment challenges. Can you expand yeah. on that and just just um, let, let me know what you meant? Yeah. You know, I would say that when we think about technical skills globally, like we know there is a huge demand for technical skills. Um, and that can be everything from, you know, I had geneticists at when I was at Driscoll's in the berry industry, right? To if I think about machine learning engineers or data science, uh, data scientists in my last company, or in this one, right? Like who has really good chromium um, engineering skills, right? So technical skills are in short supply to begin with. And then I think the challenge of finding not only someone who has like in my industry now, like the superior like engineering, coding, yeah. like those skills, A, that's hard, right? To find the technical genius. Mm-hmm. B, to find that combination also with business acumen, right? Because that's another dimension of, do I understand what I'm doing and what I'm trying to accomplish? Because that helps you do it better. And then the third piece is the leadership aspect. And even when you are a very senior technical leader and you might not be leading a team, there is still leadership, right? That might be leadership through mentoring, through helping to focus, you know, a project in a particular way or something like that. And so finding the the combination of those skills and I think being able to spot the potential in someone who is earlier in their career, because, you know, our company um, is still, um, we're still growing and we're still maturing, right? And so what our business needs today is going to be very different, right? Two years from now or a year from now. And again, particularly in the market where everything is a little nuts, like how do you have people who have that agility, who have that growth mindset that they're going to be able to continue to feel engaged and challenged and have new opportunities as the company grows as well. So you just put those things together. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is like, finding really great talent is always, um, it's always challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that your industry, everything is quite fast moving and things change quite a lot. So you're almost not hiding for their current skills. You're hiding for that's right. What they have the potential to pick up down the line. That's right. That's right. That workforce planning piece, um, I think, is hard because things are so dynamic at this stage of a company. Mm-hmm. And it can be very easy to be like, just get people in, just get people in. If you can stop and pause and be like, okay, like this is what we're going to need to be doing. Here's the skills I have. Here's my skill gaps. How do I start to maybe bring in some of those? How do I develop these? Like taking a little bit of time to plan, I think can be really, really helpful. And I think oftentimes businesses, particularly at the stage, um, you know, an earlier stage tech startup, like that just becomes so hard because there's so much to do and things are moving so quickly. Yeah, our, our our internal message for the last kind of couple of months has been slow down to speed up, just taking a little yes. bit of a step back and going, yep. is everything that we're currently doing right? And and where are the gaps at? It sounds like you're doing something similar as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And 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 also like really understanding the priorities. I think that is also something um 
that companies, and I don't care if you're huge, I don't care if you're small, like I think prioritization is always something that's really hard to do because I think naturally our eyes are bigger than our stomach. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of relentless prioritization is also really helpful because when you have that, then you really can be like, these are the skills and capabilities that I need to be able to execute. Absolutely. Um, so you are based in the US, um, but Menlo Security, am I right in saying that you kind of, you're, you're quite a global company, is that right? We are. Our headquarters are in Mountain View, California, um, but we have a very global footprint. Um, the UK, Canada, um, India, Japan, Asia Pac, we are, we are truly um, a global company. Um, so yes, we are all over the world. Wow, so that's that's quite a lot of um, different cultures and and different expectations of candidates. How do you ensure that you're on top of talent pools in areas that you're not familiar with and candidate expectations, which I imagine are very different in Japan than they are in Canada? Yeah, you know, I I think there are a number of things. Um, I was actually just up in Canada um meeting with the team up there and it was really insightful listening to them like what do they want from a benefits perspective from um you know process perspective some of those types of things so i think going and listening number one number two like your leaders in those given areas have a lot of insights and then you know we use um we use our our benefits networks you know we work with um, someone who helps us understand and benchmark globally, whether that's compensation, whether that's benefits, like how do we make sure we have that? So the combination of those three, I think really helps you understand what are cultural norms, what are the expectations and what do we need to do? Because it is very different um, depending on what part of the world you're in. Yeah, you must you must have to align quite closely to your hiring managers in the different yeah. territories. For sure, for sure. And then I think the other thing, you know, is we have a, a common set of, um, of values of who we are as an organization, right? And so I also think you have to take the time to say, what is our North Star as Menlo Security yeah. in terms of our value proposition and all of those things? And then how does that get expressed maybe a little bit differently in the different parts of the world, but philosophically, it still aligns to who we are as an organization. That um that leads a little bit into my next question. Actually, now I'm 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 paraphrasing here. This is something that that that, that you that you said in the past. Um, was you said we are we are at an interesting turning point of moving from success in the individual to success in the systems. Um, that I I'm not sure if you were talking about tech or if you're talking about the systems of um talent management in the company, but. I don't know if you remember saying that or yeah I do actually I say it all the time I say okay. it all the time and I think it is actually much more about a growth organization a startup organization um, agnostic of industry or anything else and what I mean by that is when you are an early stage company let's just say sub 200 people you have a team of individuals who are working their patooties off and they're making you know they're wearing multiple hats they're working really hard right of like 
how do we get this business going, right? Mm -hmm. And so they do, right? And they're wearing all these different hats and they're getting the business to move forward and they're getting traction. And then all of a sudden, like they're growing, right? And so you might go from, you know, 30 to 50 to 100 to 200. And then the next thing you know, like in two years, maybe you're at 300 or you're at 400 people, right? Like that growth can happen. Like once you hit that product market fit, that growth can happen, right? Really quickly. And what happens when you get above 200 people is if you stay in this mindset of success in the individuals, you can be creating single points of failure, right? But you also, like, that's not scalable, right? The success in the individual isn't scalable. And so you have to start to think about what does it mean to put success in my system? So I think about the football team, right? Where they're going and they're winning all these games and winning all these games. And you can change players all the time and they're going to continue to win their games because they have success in their systems. Those systems might be the way they practice. Those systems might be the way they strength train. Those systems might be the way they recruit new people into the organization, but they have put success in the system as opposed to, I have, you know, Jane Doe, who is a really good football player, and that's going to be the person we count on to win the game, right? And so that mindset in business, I think, is really important. And I think what you also see is some talent love being... I'm wearing multiple hats. I'm working my butt off to get something to hunt. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the point where you're like, okay, we got to make this scalable. They're like, "Eh, that really doesn't like knock my socks off to be doing that work, but it has to be done. And so, you know, finding the people who a want to bridge through that and just being conscious of the fact that you've got to make those changes, because if you don't, you're going to hold back your ability to grow as an organization. Yeah, I'm 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 laughing a little bit here because our head of growth, Nicky, whenever he hosts a podcast, he pulls in a football analogy and I always <laughs> um, I always make fun of him for it. And I think that's now uh, twice we've spoken about football so far. But I guess I guess like thinking about the World Cup's just finished, right? And you yeah. have Argentina obviously just won it and they almost had success in the individual other than success because Messi if I doubt if Messi had been there they wouldn't they wouldn't have won the world cup so you're you're moving from from um that kind of star persons doing everything and doing really well yeah it's it's maturity in the organization isn't it yeah yeah, and there's a there's a great analogy, and I'm gonna mess it up. There was a women's <laughs> um, a women's football team, soccer team. If I use my U.S. language, yeah, sorry. Um, that they no no no, but but like they were winning and winning, and again they got to the point where they could pull. It was a, it was a it was a university team, but like they could pull two women left to go play. I think it was in the Olympics. I'm probably got to have some of my details, off. but the success in their systems were so like that team continued to win. Like, so they were able to take their two best players out and continue to do that. And that's not to say, and I think very linked to recruiting, there are critical roles, right? Mm -hmm. There are roles where you go, having a star performer in this role has a different impact on our business results than having a good person in this role, right? And so thinking about those as well as you're putting the success in the systems, like that that's a really important concept for businesses to understand and really think through as they think about their talent strategy. 
Yeah, 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree um, <laughs> anymore. Um, so obviously in the last couple of years, um, social issues have come to the forefront for um, expectations for many of employees and they're looking for their employers to take a stand on um, social um, issues. What Do you address this in Menlo and how, if you do, how do you address it? You know, I am probably too new to Menlo to say, have we addressed um, a specific social issue? Mm -hmm. I, I'm too new to comment on that. What I do know about Menlo security is we want to create an inclusive environment. And um, I think that is on our CEO's mind. I know it's on my mind. We are getting ready to launch our employee resource groups or our ERGs. Um, that will be something that we will you know, build over time. We have a couple of networks, um, our Pride Network and our Women's Network who like, they're actually a little bit ahead of us even getting this off the ground. And so, you know, again, I wanna make sure that we are inclusive. There are lots of different perspectives. There are lots of different views and that we are very inclusive as an organization. That said, I do think um, there are issues that have come up where hearing from our CEO or whomever that like that is not okay, like that is a really powerful thing for an organization. I haven't been at the company long enough to say, have we had this, you know, something happen um, where we need to be like really upfront about that. But I do say like we really work at, you know, being an inclusive organization and we have more work to do, right? I think that work is never done, but it is, it, but it is on our mind. Yeah, it seems like it's 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 at the forefront there, which is probably the most important thing for, for going forwards. Yeah. Now, you have obviously worked with Solutions Driven on the past. We've we've delivered roles um, for yeah. you. Um, I'm, we're not going to go into that, but um, just <laughs> from a talent acquisition point of view, how important is it to you to have a strong partnership with your with with outside recruitment partners? And yeah. and how do you foster having that strong relationship? Yeah, you know, there's a word you said, and it was outside um, that struck me because, you know, again, my experience in particular with Solutions Driven is it's, yes, technically outside, but it's actually just thinking about um, the organization as a partner, right? And so how do you have that trust, that conversation, that understanding um, of who we are? as a company, um, what we stand for, for our culture and really like knowing us really, really well and us knowing you really, really well. And so it really is about the partnership. Like it is not, I think, particularly with recruitment, um, bringing in the best talent is such an important thing. Um, Anybody who is ever going to be a recruiting partner cannot be a vendor, right? It's it's not like this is a transactional um, activity. This is a true partnership of this is what the business needs. This is pushing back like, hey, you're going to have to tweak this a bit. Like, I don't know that this is going to work out on the market. Like being able to have those dialogues where they can push back, you can push back to get to the right outcomes for the candidate like that is 
and, and the business, that is really important. I know that our team have always really enjoyed working with you because you are very much a, a backwards and forwards person. So it, yeah. it, it is that, you know, you'll challenge us and we'll challenge you. And, and at the end, you get the best outcome for both the candidate right. and for and for the team. You know, we're not just sending over someone because we're like, well, that person works. Um, yeah. We're sending over who we believe. And you're obviously saying, no, that's not quite right. We need to tweak this. And yeah, yeah. the outcome's better. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. There are, if you think about that transactional relationship, I think what you find, particularly in recruiting, is if it is a transactional relationship, it is much more about, I, I call it throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks, as opposed to saying, no, no, we want to be really thoughtful. We really understand what is the company trying to achieve? What is the culture, right? Because different people are successful in different contexts. And so like that cultural fit is really, or contextual fit is really important. And when you have that partnership, I think you're able to do that um, in a, just in a fundamentally different way. And it's it's quite funny because our CEO, COO, Walter, um, he always talks yeah. about throwing spaghetti at the wall. And I'm wondering if he has um, stolen that <laughs> phrase from you. Um, he, always, he always says we're finding the right person. We're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall. So, um, yeah, yeah um, maybe it's came up in a conversation <laughs> in the past. Um <laughs> So, Kate, um, I am coming to the end of um, quizzing you for today. Um, <laughs> however, I've just got just got one last thing I'd like to touch on. We spoke before um, about kind of global talent pools um, and, and, and also employee culture. However, in both your previous companies and in Menlo Security, you've had a global employee base. How do you keep a connected culture? not only because when everyone is working remotely, but also across the countries, how do you, how do you create that culture? Yeah, you know, I think there are a number of ways um, to do that. You know, employees have, um, employees have experiences in three ways, right? They're in the room and they're interpreting the experience. Mm -hmm. They're talking to their colleague about how their colleague interpreted an experience. Yeah. And then the third way is through our processes and our systems. And so, again, I think when you think about a global um, employee base, when you have a consistent process, when you have a consistent way of doing things that helps you drive a consistent employee experience, it may express itself a little bit differently in different parts of the world. But if you follow the 80-20 rule, you, ha you have that consistency. I think another really important way um, that we manage culture at Menlo Securities and also the way I've done in my past is we spent time as an organization defining our values. Um, you know, we have customer empathy, we have help each other out, we have think creatively. And one of the things we do at every single all hands is we recognize employees, whether you're in Korea or you're in Japan or you're in the UK or the US, we recognize people for demonstrating those values. And so I think, again, recognizing that um, helps employees be like, oh, like this is valued, right? And they're seeing that and they're seeing that story express itself in a very public um, format. And so I think then we have other 
processes, we have a tool, a recognition tool, where we also link that to our values. And again, that's consistent. It's, it's an experience that then is consistent across the globe. And so thinking about those things, like we are in the process of building a leadership model, um, that leadership model will be consistent around the globe. So our, our employees can anchor to that as they think about their career development and what they want. Um, and that, again, helps us manage that culture um, all, all around the world. And I think really thinking about those three ways, right, of how do we make sure we're driving that consistent experience, doing that through processes, doing that through, you know, a, I think um, a very focused, um, you know, it's our values don't just hang on a wall, right? We are recognizing yeah. them. We are seeing them in action. Those are really important in terms of keeping a company globally connected. Yeah, it sounds as though your your values are actionable and they're embedded into everything that you're doing every day rather than you've just That's said, right. here, here is our culture, here is our values, go and do your job and we'll never mention this again, except we might have it on a, yeah, as you say, on a wall, but keeping it at the forefront of everyone's minds. That's right. That's right. Great. Well, Kate, this has been really interesting. Um and um, very much enjoyed hearing the answers to, to your questions. Thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely, it was a real pleasure and I hope you have a great holiday. And you, yay. And um, well, I'm sure we'll probably talk in 2023.